serve. Now, may you set your hearts on listening to the Dhamma. Dhamma, which is the teachings of the perfectly self-awakened Buddha. And this is the Dhamma that the Buddha met with himself. So, the birth of the perfectly self-awakened Buddha, in terms of his physical birth, and he was born as Prince Siddhartha. And as the prince, whatever he desired, whatever he set his heart on, he would succeed in that. So just at the age of seven years old, he sat in meditation and was able to reach first jhana. And the jhana of a bodhisattva, it's um, an energy which um, he could keep within his mind all the time. So with this training of the mind, uh, whether that progresses quickly or slowly for us, well, that depends upon the merit and the barami, the spiritual virtues that we have accumulated already. So just like how for some people who are not generous, if they're going to try to be generous, that's something very difficult um, for them because of that stinginess and that excessive um, ego, that excessive feeling of self there. And so they don't want to give, they don't want to sacrifice. But for people who have done this before, then it's easy for them. They've seen the benefits of giving, the benefits of helping out in society. Perhaps um, some people, they don't give material things, but they give Dhamma instead. Or they use the mindfulness and wisdom that they have to help out people who are going through hard times. But for those who have never done it before, this is something that's hard for them to do. And then at a higher level than this, we have sila, this virtue. So keeping the five precepts gives great benefits. As they say, sila na sukating yangti, that keeping sila is the vehicle to happiness. It's like all of us who have gathered together to practice, whether it's here at the monastery or online. So we have this quality of virtue. And this brings up a happiness and inner peace. It's a wealth, a noble wealth. So we can see how the various kinds of wealth in the world, um, houses, for example, even if that's a very big house, it still just exists um, or is built on the Earth's surface. But there's heat there within the earth, and that gives rise to earthquakes. So there may be earthquakes, or there may be floods or fires. Um, there may be disasters, um, like war, for example. And our wealth can be lost due to this. So external wealth is still subject to disasters and dangers. But the inner wealth that we are creating, that's something that other people aren't able to damage. So like the wealth of sila is virtue, 
It's a noble wealth. Even though we may not have much money, but we can keep sila. And this gives us more merit than that of uh, acts of generosity. And then we come to meditate, come to cultivate these minds. And we're really sincere in doing that, we really set our hearts on it, because we've seen the drawbacks of a mind which is chaotic, a mind which just constantly thinks, constantly stirs up this inner commentary all throughout the day from the time that we wake up until the time that we go to bed. And then even while we're sleeping, the mind carries on with its stories, its proliferations. And so there's no peace there. So for people who have never trained in mindfulness or developing samadhi, they've never brought their mind to their breath, recited Buddha or developed metta, then when they try to do this, um, just after a very short time, the mind will go off into its frantic thinking all over again. It'll think, start giving rise to its stories, its creations, proliferations, and you see that we're not able to control that. But here is the arising of wisdom as well, the beginning of wisdom, because we can ask ourselves then, well, why is the mind like this? Why is it stirred up like this? Why can't I control it? I don't want it to be thinking about things which aren't good. So why does it still do it? I don't want it to constantly be proliferating. But then it goes off and gets stirred up all over again. It starts getting carried away with anger and ill will. So why is that? Why can't I stop these thoughts? And the mind is not peaceful in that state. So this is why we come to really sincerely train our minds. And it's normal for it to be this way if we've never trained our minds before. That from the time that we were born, there's just me and mine. There's just going between happiness and suffering. And it's really a confused state. And we take everything to be a self. But the Buddha pointed to us how the things that are of the nature to arise are of the nature to cease. And it's normal for them to be this way, that they're not yours, they're not you. And this is something that is really worth thinking over, something that's really worth reflecting upon. Because this body of ours, we've taken it to be me ever since we were born ever since we had feelings arise. We've all uh, considered this body to be a self. The Buddha, however, taught us that it's not self. So the seeing of not self, taking things to be not self, what benefits does that give us? You see that having a self that gives us energy. It gives us energy to do our studies, to work, that we do all of this for me. But if that's excessive, if that self is too much, then it can lead us to harm others, to create bad karma. 
And if in this world there aren't any limits, if there aren't any boundaries of virtue, if everyone just gets angry and does everything for themselves, then it'd be very hard for us to stay together without any moral integrity. But for us practitioners, then we've seen already how having a self like this just makes things chaotic. And we have this belief in the Buddha as well. So we have that power of faith, this faith that hell exists and heaven exists and Nibbana exists. You also see how the mind, which is unawakened, that it just carries on going between birth and death, following causes and conditions. So we should use this life that we have to create goodness, to give rise to as much benefit as we can. Anything which is not good, we should try to give that up. So this enters into the teaching of the Buddha to abandon all Ill, evil or unwholesome deeds to give rise to skillfulness and to bring the mind to purity. And so we train ourselves like this, we practice. We have generosity, we have virtue. And so we see the benefits um, of this, of virtue, of putting down all harmful deeds. So we're well established in this quality of sila dhamma, the virtue. And the Buddha also taught us to develop our minds so that they become better, higher, through our meditation. So like understanding the true nature of things, understanding into not-self, and seeing how having a sense of self that ties us down to things, that we get attached, and that attachment is the cause for suffering to arise. So like if we gain something that we like, then we cling to that. And then when we're separated from it, we suffer. So this body too is a thing that we have gained. It's one kind of wealth. But it's something that also gives us a lot of pain. So we should have mindfulness um, there to contemplate, to contemplate following the teachings of the Buddha in order to develop our minds. So we have this quality of generosity and a virtue, and then we come to meditate, to look after our minds. So generosity and virtue, this gives us the results of heaven that we gain peace and joy and happiness of heart. But this heaven, it can't last forever. You still have to pass away and get born again. Still have to go through pleasure and pain all over again in the cycle of samsara. The Buddha taught us to see the drawbacks of this, to not get lost and delighted in the pleasures here, in a sense of ease here, 
but to see the drawbacks in the cycle of birth and death. And to see that within our minds in the space of just one day. See how the self, me and mine, arises right there. See the happiness and the suffering that comes up. How we have to, or how we compete with one another, how we compare ourselves with others in this world. But if we don't have that sense of self, then there's emptiness, there's an ease to the heart, there's no suffering there. So the Buddha taught us to train ourselves. Because none of us wants to suffer, right? So we have to then train these minds. It's like we've come to take up the brahmacharya, this celibacy or holy life. Take up these eight precepts. We can keep the seven precepts if uh, our bodies need to eat in the evening. So during this time of practice, then this is a period for us to cultivate our barami, our spiritual virtues. For those who have done this before, who have kept sila to this level before, it's not difficult for them to do it, that they can practice in this way. But for those who haven't, then it is something that's quite tough to keep these eight precepts. But these eight precepts, they are the foundation and the qualities uh, that receive the mind uh, of purity to the level of an anagami, a non-returner. So we should train our minds constantly like this, having mindfulness and samadhi in this body, within the four foundations of mindfulness. And these are four qualities that are there within the 37 wings to awakening. So these four foundations of mindfulness are things that we also need to train ourselves in as well. And why is that? It's because throughout the day our mindfulness isn't there. It's not present within the body. It's not there within Vedana, the feelings. It's not in the mind, it's not in the Dhamma. And we don't contemplate um, throughout the day. Whenever our minds receive any sense impression, whenever our eyes see a form, or our ears hear a sound, or we taste something, or uh, smell something, touch something, or there's a Dhamma, a Ramana that arises within the mind, then this gives rise to the feeling of me and mine. So this comes and then it goes. And then when there's another uh, sense contact, then this happens all over again. And then this feeling comes up again of me and mine. And it goes on and on like this all throughout the day and throughout the night. So for people who don't meditate, then this is what it's like. So we should look, well, is this actually real? The sense of self that comes up, is that something that is genuine? We establish our mindfulness, bringing our, uh, sorry, establish our samadhi and bring our mindfulness to the in and out breath. And we do that without forcing it or controlling it. So establish our mindfulness well at that point. 
and then maybe both the body and the mind will feel very light and we won't be receiving any external sense stimulus and the mind becomes very still at this point the body and the mind can separate out from one another there may be feelings that come up but then the mind separates out from those feelings seeing that it's vedana it's not me and it's also not the mind as well that's when the mind clings attaches and that's when that feeling comes up so we train ourselves um, to have a lot of mindfulness and this way of mindfulness it's the foremost way the more mindfulness that we have the better samadhi this collected firm mind is something that is important but we can also just kind of fall into that state of samadhi and just seek out the pleasures of samadhi but what we should be doing with that samadhi is using it um, so that we have the presence of mind to be able to contemplate this body well and this body is something that is easy to see easy to observe so we contemplate how it arises stays for a bit and then ceases just like this breath we breathe in then there's a short pause and then we breathe out and it's gone already and if we don't breathe if there's no new in-breath then this body breaks apart even though we may not wish for it to fall apart but it's of the nature to be that way so this shows that we're not able to control these bodies that these bodies are just natural things that we may not wish to for the body to get old for it to sicken for it to die but there's no one in this world who's able to achieve that and even the buddha his body changed following time and causes and conditions and that's why he instructed his disciples to perfect themselves in being heedful because sankharas these conditioned phenomena these are unstable and impermanent things and this is something that we need to constantly be reflecting upon this inconstancy and these things they can't stay together they need to break apart so when we contemplate this nature of breaking apart when we see how the elements that uh, comprise this body they aren't really the self we see how the body is just a collection of earth water fire and air and how this is something that must break apart so when it's like this then why is it that we claim that this is me and mine and if we have wisdom then we'll see clearly that it's not it's not me it doesn't belong to me so the seeing clearly is the arising of wisdom and this comes into the four noble truths of dukkha this um, discontentment suffering stress and the cause for dukkha its cessation and the path leading to that cessation and so we can see this dukkha 
this suffering or pain here within this body. You can see how all form and feeling, uh, perception, um, thoughts or mental formations and sense consciousness is dukkha. It's something that it can't endure. It's anicca, dukkha, anatta. It's uh, inconstant and stressful and not self. But still we attach to this as being me. We attach to all of these five khandhas. And that gives us the cause for the arising of suffering. So we walk on this path of sila, samadhi and panya, this noble eightfold path. And these are the dhammas that bring us to awakening, to seeing the dhamma. So these 37 wings to awakening. It's the path of sila, samadhi and panya. And so it has right view as its leader. It's like all of us here, we're really intent on having these right views. So the understanding um, of the Dhamma is something that depends upon the merit and the barami that we have created before. And perhaps we'll be able to understand that and see that very easily. See how all things are empty. And this emptiness is Buddha. That's this nature of awakening. And Buddha, this awakening is there within all things. So all forms and feelings and perceptions, mental formations, sense consciousness, all of these count as all things. They're all Buddha, they're all empty. But our hearts take all of these things to be me and to be mine. So we should really sincerely um, contemplate them so that we don't get stuck in our delusion towards them. Because if we're always deluded, um, then this sense contact will be giving rise to, or will go into attachment. There's ignorance there and then craving and clinging. So we need to have mindfulness at that point, knowing what it is that is coming up within the mind. So if there's samadhi in the mind, then we know that, and we know that that's a skillful dharma. If there's a lack of samadhi, then we know that, and know that that's an unskillful state. And so any purity or peace or chaos, greed, hatred, and delusion that comes up in the mind, it's just that. It's merely that. It's just something that comes and then it goes. And then the mind is merely the mind. So we should contemplate this all throughout the day, all of the things that arise within the mind. We try to see them for what they are. We can keep our hearts with a meditation word or a mantra, something that gives rise to ease and peace in the mind, and just keep our minds with that. So even though the Buddha passed away into total Nibbana, but the Dhamma, his teachings, are still here. 
And if we practice in line with the Dhamma, then we'll see and know the Dhamma. And by seeing the Dhamma, we see the Buddha. So all of us, we've seen the Buddha in terms of Buddha images, these Buddha rupas, maybe made of uh, wood or made of uh, various metals. And so this is the Buddha on one level. But if we have wisdom, then we'll get to see the genuine Buddha. So we see how the Buddha was born into this world as Prince Siddhartha, as the Bodhisattva. And then he was awakened under the Bodhi tree. And this awakening of his mind was when he truly became the Buddha. His mind reached this level of uh, perfect self-awakening. So this was a second birth, a birth that happened within his mind, the arising of the Sama Sambuddha. So like all of us who have been born, who are sitting here, we all have these conventional, conventional names that we've supposed into being. You have these conventions of being a male or a female. But we come to be born again. So perhaps initially you know, some people weren't generous, but then we come to be reborn as someone who is generous. Maybe not virtuous, but then we come to be born as someone who is virtuous. And so this is another birth that happens within the mind. So we turn from a uh, putujana, someone thick with defilements, into a kalyana chana, um, a beautiful being, a being whose mind is in a good and beautiful state. And then we cultivate this even further for the arising of samadhi and wisdom until we see the Dhamma and we uh, become an Arya Chana, a noble being. And this again is another birth. It's a, a noble birth. So may you all contemplate well and contemplate how all things are just suppositions. Everything that we consider to be me you see how really there's nothing there. It's all empty. And by doing this, we enter into Buddha, into this nature of awakening. So may all of you set your hearts on this practice of meditation. And may all of you succeed in your aspirations. May you all know and see the Dhamma.